Well, my administration, as you know, it stands with every citizen of Venezuela and Cuba and Nicaragua. It stands with the righteous struggle for freedom. Now Joe Biden and the radical left are trying to impose the same system, Socialism Plus, in America. Biden is a puppet of the militant left, the people that want to rip down statues and monuments to George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, Benjamin Frank, Jesus. Okay, Jesus. They want to rip down statues to Jesus. We stand at a crossroads, America. President Trump has set our nation on a path of freedom and opportunity. Joe Biden would set America on a path of socialism and decline. Joe Biden has a long history of doing nothing, but now he shows that he'll even surrender to the socialist wing of the party. These ideas of green climate change and we'll find you a job, it was, a, it was an odd speech other than someone who believes deeply that a socialist vision of America is what the American people want. Tonight, we renew our resolve that America will never be a socialist country. Joe Biden is a human pandemic. He has opened the Pandora's box to inflation, but the Democrats are used to these sort of things, taking our money and money that doesn't even exist and throwing it all over the place as they follow this Marxist ideology of class warfare. All that reminds me of is this. It is true. To be fair, not all Democrats are socialists, but all the socialists are Democrats. And I knew that President Biden would be left of center. I never dreamed he'd be left of Lenin, be left of Lenin, be left of Lenin. Joe Biden is not a communist. He's not a Marxist, nor is he a socialist. I wouldn't even call him a social democrat. Absolutely not. Um, we should know. We actually are members of what the media calls the far left in this country. I, I shed a tear every time somebody from the media or the establishment calls Joe Biden far left uh, and makes claims that he is going to make health care and education free for everybody because there's nothing I could want more. And I couldn't possibly express less dissatisfaction. Right. We, we wish we were wrong. We wish the we, media was right and he was a radical leftist. Uh, he's not. Yeah, I, I wish I could look uh, at the White House and see just this ripped Joe Biden with his pecs out, long, thick hair, just like kicking down the doors, American flag in one hand, hammer and sickle in the other, you know, ready to just sign a new bill of rights, just come in here like a complete chad. <laughs> but, uh, you know, instead I've got depression. <laughs> so welcome to Left of Lenin, a new leftist politics podcast. Believe it or not, we're the first one to ever make a leftist podcast. Has not been done before. I checked. Uh, they don't exist. So we're, we're breaking new ground here. So each week, we will be meeting up to discuss what's in the news, what's the leftist discourse online, try to evaluate it all through a, a socialist, a Marxist perspective when we can, try to interject some humor here and there, because we don't want it to be too dry, of course. Yeah, our goal is to be as authoritative as possible, hopefully teach you guys something new, hopefully learn some new things ourselves. There's no way that I could possibly claim to know everything, so I think it's just going to be like a, a journey for everyone. And with that, let's cue the intro.
right. I, I don't know if this was like the best week or the worst week to start a podcast because there's so much going on in such a short amount of time. Obviously, you have the protests in Cuba. The United States is pulling out of Afghanistan. We got, you know, the president of Haiti just assassinated a week ago. Billions and trillions of dollars in in the Senate that they're trying to push through. We got billionaires flying to space. Uh, Unfortunately, they are coming back. So obviously, uh, you know, we don't have an infinite number of time here, but... We'll see how we how we do with our topics. Yeah, you can only cover so many things in as in depth as you'd like to. Uh, yeah. So I just wanted to sort of give a little bit of a context for why we're doing Left of Lenin and why doing a podcast like this in general is worth it, worth our time, worth your time to listen to. A new article from Reuters came out recently that says that the U.S. actually ranks last among forty six countries with distrust in media. Huh. Yeah. It's it's. It's pretty bad over here. Uh, They say that just 29% of people surveyed in the U.S. say that that they actually trust the news, compared to 45% in Canada and 54% in Brazil, (laughs) which is pretty crazy to me. 75% of those uh, who identify as being on the right thought coverage of their news was unfair, unsurprising. Yeah. I'll talk a little bit about uh, the whole right-wing conspiracy that literally every information source is against them. Just one in five Americans identify going directly to a news site or a news app as their main way of getting news online. And uh, So would the other four probably be uh, like Twitter, Facebook, YouTube? Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. Those are very good common sources. Reddit's another one. Town Crier. Yeah, yeah. And there's a lot to be said about these types of websites becoming essentially the new public square uh with the town crier and you know the hear ye hear ye ringing a bell all that the only difference is you can't actually see the people talking (laughs) so it also goes on to say that a large percentage 51 percent is not concerned about a financial circumstances of media compared to 31 percent who said they were aware that the business is less profitable than it used to be i just thought that was an interesting quote yeah uh, from the article a lot of it makes sense on on how a lot of the country got to where it was as far as the media goes and the distrust of it. I mean, if you think about the like the New York Times or the Washington Post, first the Washington Post got bought by Jeff Bezos. When you think about those papers, they are now desperate to get people to buy them or subscribe to them. So they are much more interested on finding a target audience. I mean, any business has a target audience. You right. know what I mean? I mean, you have certain... Uh, Demographics you've got. Exactly. You know. That you have to aim for. And you're not going to market towards certain groups that don't want to pay for you. So you have that problem immediately where, you know, you watch MSNBC or Fox or CNN, you know immediately what their audience is. Right. And the other thing is when it comes to social media, you know, they're invested in you staying on their websites as long as possible. Yeah. Right? If you're on Reddit and you look something up, uh, they're going to start recommending you just that sort of thing that you looked up and put you in a silo. Mm -hmm. So everyone's kind of getting more and more pushed to the extremes. Polarized. Uh, Yeah. Uh, You know, these algorithms breed uh, natural echo chambers. And it's so subtle. It's so subversive, you know? Uh, You think you're staying informed, but really you're just staying informed on any one particular side of any one particular topic. Right. So we're trying to give a, I mean, look, we've already admitted our bias that we are left wing, but we're going to try to be as as fair as possible uh, from that perspective. The thing I don't like about media is that they sort of try to give off this air of like respectability or authority. Right. Anderson Uh, Cooper has a very nice haircut. Oh my God. Anderson Cooper. 
Doesn't he look professional? Listen, he's the silver fox. Just right? just forget his mom was like a multimillionaire, and that's yeah. how basically he got that job. Forget about that. Yeah, forget about his you know, perfect he earned cheekbones. His, no, he earned it. Yeah, the, the chin. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, I, you know, I could go forget on. Forget Chris Cuomo has family all over politics in, in the country, and that's why it's a CNN show. He <laughs> earned that position. Doesn't he look respectable in that suit, that tan? Right, exactly. And I'm still convinced Tucker Carlson can't uh, grow a beard. I, you know, Tucker Carlson's another great example. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that guy rags against the elites, right? Right. Born rich, dated a woman who uh, his father got him into the nicest college, you know, just sort of failed upward. You know, upwards. constantly, <laughs> this guy. So, I mean, all these, like, professional news types are kind of elitist. I'm not trying to toot my own horn here by saying I think podcasting is one of the last forms of, you know, sort of free expression mm. when it comes to the news. Some of the last, you know, least bias, I should say, uh, uh, forms of media. Right. I mean, it's, it's even just down to the smallest detail. We don't put on... A particular cadence and rhythm in our speech we don't try to appeal to a particular demographic or type of person we're talking to our audience as if we were just with them in a living room right you know we don't put on a business suit and tie and try to put on like a background with a with a green screen there's no there's no air about this that that prize look at us we're so professional you should right. believe everything we say and because of that i feel like you know, podcasting, all sorts of leftist content creators on YouTube, on other platforms, they're so essential to discourse because they give the unfiltered, raw information that people so desperately seek from mainstream media but aren't getting. Those are some big shoes to fill, but hopefully we right. can do the same thing here. So let's start the show with one of our topics. V and I have brought uh, various topics. We're not sure what the other person has brought, just sort of what we want to talk about during the week. I have two big topics. I'm, I'm debating which one I want to start with, but I, I think the mm. one uh, that I really want to get into, because it's coming to an end, so why not start our podcast with a major ending? I want to break the war in Afghanistan, because it's ending. Mm. It, it's ending after 20 years. I, th I feel like we really should have popped some, sh some champagne at this episode because Probably. of that. I mean, opening, end of the yeah. war. Um, so the war has been going on for so long that, uh, you know, a son could actually serve at the same base his father did, you know, 18 years ago. Right. Honestly, actually, because the war is ending, um, we should probably just wrap this podcast up. There's nothing to talk about. Yeah, we were an Afghanistan war podcast. Uh, yeah. Poor timing. <laughs> the, yeah, poor timing. Poor content. Pulled out of that. So as people remember, obviously, we went into Afghanistan after 9-11. The goal was to demand the Taliban which is the name of the government of Afghanistan at the time, uh, to turn over Osama bin Laden and his terrorist organization, Al-Qaeda. I feel like like a lot of Americans, for some reason, always mix up like the Taliban and Al-Qaeda. Like, they're mm. the same thing. Like, yeah. growing up, I don't know if you remember this, uh, like, everyone just sort of, like, put the two together, like, interchangeably. Yeah. The, the Taliban was the government of Afghanistan. Taliban it, government of Afghanistan. Right. And, and Al-Qaeda is just sort of this, like, terrorist group. Right. You know, it's like, imagine if the Girl Scouts bombed, like, somewhere in Canada. <laughs> yeah. And Canada starts, like, a war with the American government. It's like, right. well, what do we, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, th those fuckers, those little girls did it, not us. Yeah, you know? yeah. So, basically, we're at a point, the war directly killed about 200,000 people. If you add the indirect routes, we're talking, you know, disease, we're talking famine, la lack of access to food, water... You know, you're going to pass like a million lives of civilians, basically, in Afghanistan that were just gone in, in the 20 years. Obviously, we killed Osama bin Laden. 
Uh, we spent over a trillion dollars to do that. And as we're pulling out now, 20 years later, the Taliban is just retaking the entire country. V, is it fair to say uh, America lost this war? Oh, 100%. Just like it was fair to say that we lost uh, Vietnam. Uh, we have a war that we spend ungodly amounts of money in mm -hmm. with no real goal. Um, we kept people there for, what was it, 20 years? Yep. Uh, without any consideration of American lives, without any consideration of the lives of the people in that general region. No exit strategy. No exit strategy. The exit, unfortunately, is doomed to fail regardless of what you do because you haven't set up all the infrastructure and all the, all the preparation necessary to keep the place stable uh, without U.S. presence. Right. I am failing to come up with a way in which we could say we won the war. Right. Like, if you were, if you were to time travel 21 years after the invasion, you'd go back in... And even though everything is rubble now, thanks to us, the <laughs> Taliban is still in control. Right. So what did we actually accomplish? Like, it just basically runs the clock back 21 years. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of funny that the only successful war we've ever engaged in, generally, mm -hmm. I mean, a few wins here and there, but in the Middle East, our, the most successful war we've engaged in was a war against infrastructure. Right. Buildings. I mean, the, Buildings are just gone. Yeah. The people... Try getting to that well now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Not happening. Not happening. The people that we tried to go in there after, they're still fine. The buildings... Gone. Gone. Buildings are gone. Yeah. Um, we hate buildings. I guess the reason why I wanted to bring this up is, <laughs> really, the uh, we were talking about the media earlier, all of a sudden people give a shit about Afghanistan again. That's what I was going to say. It was not yeah. in the news for the last 10, 12 years. Has not been in the news since, like, 2009. No one's given a shit. And then, all of a sudden, we're pulling out... And now everyone cares again. Uh, oh, oh, the Taliban is is coming back and they're taking more territory. They've always been doing that. Right. They've never gone away. Yeah. Oh, what happens if we pull out and we... It, even before that, even before right. our considerations of pulling out, just think about conceptually the fact that it is a war. It's yeah. a war. Uh, it's a hot war. Sure. And it's not in the news, which is presumably how a lot of people get their information about the ongoings of government policy, right. conflict, uh, domestic and international. It's a war. And the fact that for the past, I don't know how many years, we haven't heard a single peep about it no. is tantamount to journalistic malpractice on a level that I'm frankly surprised not everybody talks about on a daily basis. Right. When you think about the amount of war crimes that have gone on, I mean, these people are, are going to hate us for generations. Oh, 100%. I mean, we completely destabilized the Middle East. And I couldn't possibly fault them for that no. you know if you think about the rise of isis that's directly linked to us going in there and destabilizing the whole region and making a power vacuum where people even more extreme mm -hmm. than the taliban were able to build a government for a country that you know the islamic state uh we basically built a vacuum for them to thrive yeah, and plus with the uh you know killing of so many innocent people that we would <laughs> strategically label collateral damage uh that's what human lives have sort of abounded to at this point uh in the middle east we've radicalized a ton of people oh forever it's that type of death and unnecessary death and carnage that radicalizes people and so that sort of feeds into this fire so, so let's think about this right so taliban take back over the country right uh probably within a year after we leave so the taliban is now in control again they are now a government, just like any other government, just like the, the French government or the German. It's a government, right? It is a country that we now have to deal with. They have their own banking system. They have their own uh, infrastructure system, their own bills, their own whatever the version of like a Congress would be. It's a country, right? right. 
nothing is stopping Afghanistan from, you know, if you think through it, the American eyes, like our supposed enemies, nothing stops them from negotiating with Russia, nothing stops them from negotiating with China. They should, if they're, I mean, honestly, like, they know they're not friends with us. Right, if any nation looking for their own best self-interest, I mean... Yeah, I mean, Iran is, like, right right next door. Like, there's no reason not to, I mean, I know they're uh, not very friendly, but at the end of the day, enemy of my enemy. Right, exactly. It's... I mean, it is, none of that would have happened had we just stayed out 20 years ago and not gone in in the first place. And I saw, again, George W. Bush. When's the last time you heard anything about that motherfucker, right? Right. All of a sudden he's in the news again saying, oh, I don't think we should pull out. What do these people want? Right. Do they, do they want us to stay for, are we going to make it a state? Yeah. Are you going to, are you just going to take it over and say, yeah, we own this. Here's your two senators. Here's your, here's your bulk. We're not going to do that. No, right. definitely not. Uh, are you going to make it a territory? Are we an empire now? Is, are we, you follow American laws, pay American taxes, follow uh, all of everything we say. Right. Here's your president that we just installed. But are, are we just going to nation build forever? Yeah, and you make a good point, you know, asking these questions. Like, it is true that they've literally never given us in any f- tangible way through the media, through any announcements, uh, like any sort of concrete goal. Mm-hmm. It's always been... And this is funny. It's it's sort of like the uh, unprovable, you know, concept right. or, or like uh, a claim that is unfalsifiable. This idea that if we're doing well, right, and there's peace in Afghanistan, well, they're going to use that to argue. Well, that's a good reason for our troops to stay. That there's peace because of our presence there. Right. If there's chaos and disarray and things are getting worse, they're going to turn around and say, that's Well, no, we that's there. Yeah, it's because yeah. we weren't there. Or we should stay there. Or we should increase our numbers. Right. Like there's never. There is not a single circumstance that you could point to and say, okay, this is a good reason to leave from their perspective. You know, the only thing I really liked Trump did uh, in in 2015, he's running in the primary. One of his strongest messages was against the war in Afghanistan, against the war in Iraq, called a big mistake. Famously, he completely destroyed Jeb Bush on stage over this. <laughs> was Jeb Bush the guy who he called Sleepy? Jeb no, Bush. Sleepy Joe Biden. Sleepy Joe Biden. Uh, Jeb Bush was low energy. Low energy Jeb, Jeb, Jeb Bush. Low energy Jeb. Jeb yeah. Bush. Um, he's the guy that was like, please clap. Yeah, please clap. Because <laughs> no one was clapping. At, ugh. Oh, I cringe so hard. So, I mean, that was like Trump's like best thing. And I remember he wanted to pull out multiple times out of Afghanistan. And his generals kept saying, no, you can't do it. You can't do it. Like, it's a mistake. Joe Biden goes in there and says, hey, we're, we're just fucking leaving. Yeah, like a complete it's, shad. Yeah, I mean, honestly, <laughs> so, so far, like if I had it ranked the number one thing that I think Joe Biden is doing, hmm. uh, pulling out of Afghanistan, just end the war. Because we're unless we stay there forever... Right. Which this, is, this is actually, not to interrupt, but this is actually a huge point of contention uh, if you're following any, like, lefty Twitter drama. The whole Afghanistan thing is right. huge because you have actually, and this is why I like to sort of rant about the left, um, it's like herding cats, right? The yeah. idea that you literally cannot unify the left. It's impossible. Everybody thinks they know everything. Everybody thinks they know the correct answer to all of life's problems and the correct strategy to, uh, to you know, implement those solutions. Um, but now uh, the two factions on the left are people who believe that uh, get out at any cost and do it as soon as possible. Don't wait until uh, what was it the twentieth anniversary of nine eleven. Don't yeah, you know the do symbolic it all... date. We're going to go on the twentieth exactly. anniversary of nine eleven for what? Just yeah. if you're done, leave early. Right. Do it all at once. Then there are people that are saying essentially that 
pulling out too fast was just going to do the same thing we did to Iraq, which is to leave a power vacuum and so on and so forth. And there is just no heart. Like, well, there won't no be a power game. vacuum. The yeah. Taliban's going to take right over. Exactly. There's no power vacuum. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, like it's, <laughs> if anything, we it's lost just, the yeah, war. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like it. Like it's over. Like the government that we propped up. Uh, like I understand what the left is saying on, on like Twitter and stuff. Uh, right. Some of them are saying, "Well, if we pull out, we leave uh, a lot of these like reforms behind," which right. is fucking ridiculous. Uh, for, for the record, there was a, a Soviet sort of satellite government in uh, Afghanistan uh, originally. And they did a bunch of reforms and, and equal rights and, and women got, you know, could go to school. And, soon, you know, America went right in and, and helped overthrow the socialist government there. And mm-hmm. then immediately the Taliban took over. Uh, well, it was a big, huge civil war. I want to say it was like they just strolled in. They, right. fought, they fought for quite a long time. But, you know, no one gave a shit then about rights of the people. But now America's leaving. It's like, whoa, what about the rights of the people? It's like, well, they, if you want the rights of the people, you should have propped up the old government that, that right. <laughs> gave more rights than they probably have now, at least economically, too. And so now we're at a point where, you know, there is no good answer. There's we're no good answer. Are we going, again, it just comes back to the same thing. Are we going to flood them with two million more soldiers and just make it a state? And if the answer is no, what the fuck are we doing there? Exactly. We might as well pull out. Yeah. Uh, our pull-out game is weak, to be honest. It's, it, it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, famously, I mean, we were in uh, we were in Vietnam for. Well, actually, that, that's interesting though, because you you mentioned something about well, you're we're talking about pulling troops out. Trump has tried doing that. Uh, I think was it Syria? Was it another country where Syria? We're in? Yeah, yeah. It's pulled, hard to remember because we're in so many countries. He, he at this pulled point. out of like North Syria with the, with the Kurds. But the pullout is so strategic and so sly. What right. what they do is they pull troops out of a particular country, and what they do is they move them to another country we're in. Right. As in a in a sense, accomplished like saying you know putting that checking that checkbox, being able to go to the American people and say yeah look I pulled troops out of Syria right, that's what I promised to do and we just end up shuffling them around, uh, which is just hilarious well, in the we, darkest possible way. We pulled way. out of North Syria and I believe it was the Kurdish. We we pulled out and immediately uh, our allies in the north northern Syria were were totally by themselves mm-hmm. and you know the right and the left kind of slammed Donald Trump for it. But again, are we there forever? Mm-hmm. Like the whole idea of going into Syria, which is an entirely different war that we are not actually fighting. We're just kind of just putting money into it. Right. Famously, Obama said there's a red line. You can't use toxic weapons, right? Chemical mm-hmm. weapons. And then there was chemical weapons used, and Obama did nothing about it. Right. right? Because he didn't want to invade. Right. And then Trump's absolutely not going to invade the Middle East because he doesn't give a shit about the Middle East. No. Um, so basically, we were never going in. We we're just kind of just funneling money and training to these people. And we just pulled out because the, the bad guy over there, right, the Assad, he won. Right. So why are we there? Yeah. Again, are we, are we having boots on the ground? Then what the fuck are we doing there? Exactly. Right? Like, what is our goal here? And once you realize it's not attainable, why are we throwing trillions of dollars away in another country for exactly. no reason? I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll probably have entire segments dedicated to this topic because sure. the depth here that you could explore is, is, is incredible. Um, obviously, we could talk about uh, war profiteering. We could talk about the military-industrial complex and all of the different incentives that capitalism puts uh, for endless human conflict. Right. I mean, um, the amount of money there is to be made off war. It's just so brazen. I mean, I've, I've read articles and heard stories about soldiers being deployed to Afghanistan. Young, uh, eyes wide, shining, thinking that they're, you know, fighting for American freedom. 
ready to be a patriot, ready to do great things, and they'd go to their, you know, superior and basically ask, all right, what do you want me to do? And they'll, they just shrug and say, I, I don't know, go shoot the shit over there. There really wasn't anything to do. They, and then they would be confused, like, wait, this isn't what I signed up right. for. My recruiter I mean, lied to me. More, more of our veterans have died by suicide mm. than have actually died over there in Afghanistan. You know, think about that. Wow, is that so? Oh, e yeah, easily. Like, it's like five oh times the amount of soldiers who died in Afghanistan killed themselves uh, in this country. Is that from like PTSD yeah. related? Yeah, combat. Wow. I mean, I mean, they are that field of work has a obviously huge suicide rate. Mm. Uh, they come back, they're not the same, and mm. you know, we don't give them the proper health care. We, no. we just let's think is in this country we do this big performance art with our veterans. Oh, 100%. but the truth is, we don't really give a shit about them. Yeah, you know how many of our I think it's like one out of like seven homeless people are, are like soldiers, like former former veterans. Right. You don't give a shit. No, not really. You gave us what you wanted, what we wanted. It, I mean, the it, most we can offer is just a a uh, an obligatory thank you for your service. Yeah, a bus and... seat. You come on the bus, and I get up so you can sit there. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's it. Like that. Thanks for serving. Here's a fidget spinner. Bro. Yeah. Bro, enjoy. Get over your PTSD. Every <laughs> every time you you see that child blowing up, spin the fidget. Right. Spin it a little harder. You know, yeah, it, it doesn't help. Spin, spin it a little harder, and yeah, just to just so we don't lose track of this, I just wanted to mention about the media. It is true that, and this is this was so predictable. You know, people right. on the left on YouTube, BreadTube content creators, um, anybody who covers main, you know, any sort of topics in the news. This was extremely predictable. People are already saying before Biden even like made the uh, withdrawal from Afghanistan official, they were saying. Just watch. CIA, like ex-CIA directors and operatives, ex-FBI people, ex-military people, generals, whatever. They're all going to pile on in the news. We'll see them in CNN. We'll see them on Fox News. We'll see them on MSNBC. And they're going to be hammering home that we need to stay in Afghanistan. Absolutely. And like clockwork, perfect prediction. You know, if if we could do the same thing with the, with the market, we could be super rich well but. notice notice like uh <laughs> we're pulling out of afghanistan right and immediately as we're pulling out of afghanistan haiti and cuba have become a problem again haiti right. and cuba again haiti is a country that we have not thought about since the 90 since the 2010 earthquake right uh no one has given a shit about uh all of a sudden we're talking about oh should we send troops into haiti uh right. maybe others stabilized Cuba's having, Cuba had like two protests, right? Keep in mind, all last summer, there was hundreds of protests all over every city in, in the United States. Right. No one gave a shit. Uh, there's two protests in Cuba. Uh-oh, is communism falling in Cuba? Should we send troops in? Should we bomb Cuba? Yeah. and you like, can, like clockwork. Yeah, and you can educate me on this because I haven't, at the time, I wasn't really paying attention to this except for at its height, but wasn't it also the case, I think this was in 2020, at the very least it was sometime in Trump's four, four years of presidency, where, like, I haven't heard a single thing about Venezuela in a long time. I, mm -hmm. I don't, I did not know anything about yep. Venezuela. I didn't, I barely registered in my mind as a country, and all of a sudden I'm hearing talks about the U.S. planning to go in there and, and do all this stuff, do humanitarian stuff. Sure. And Venezuela basically saying, no thanks, we don't want it, and then saying, like, Oh well, we're gonna come anyway. Well, if you remember, <laughs> there was a there was a coup attempt, right? Uh, which will actually tie into the topic. Another topic I want to bring up, Haiti. Yeah. But um, if you remember, in Miami, uh, at least in southern Florida, it's like forty people on a boat uh, went to Venezuela, hoping they would like cause an uprising. Mm. And they got captured immediately. Yeah. And they were like, "Well, well, we're working with the government," and the government's like, 
definitely not. Oh my right? goodness, yeah. I, I remember that. That was the meme. A complete embarrassment coup attempt. Yeah. Um, that were still looking into, uh, people are still looking into whether or not, like, how much the government knew this was happening. Right. Because we funded much longer shots than that. Oh, yeah. And in I, the past. I especially remember... in Central America and, and South America. This was long enough ago that I, I'm sort of foggy on the details, but I remember stuff like a bunch of countries offering aid, most of them except for the U.S. offering like financial aid, aid in the form of uh, supplies, so on and so forth, and they were all accepting them graciously, but then the U.S. was like, all right, we're going to aid you with our military, and they were like, oh, bro, we, we've seen uh, this playbook before. It, well, <laughs> absolutely, with that. Um, I could be wrong there. Yeah, but... it's uh, it's very complicated once you start laying Americans in your country like that, right? Um, especially if, if you know that they want to overthrow you. You know, uh, they were basically leading the charge with Wido. Mm. So Guaido is this liberal um, empty suit mm. that from their Senate parliament, I guess. Mm. And they elected him uh, the president, you know, of, of Cuba. Right. Or, uh, sorry, of Venezuela. And, you know, all these countries got behind Guaido. Or you're the official leader of, of Venezuela. Nothing happened. Mm. So this guy, Juan Guaido, is still out there mm. saying he's the leader of Venezuela. He, he commands nobody. So, right. I mean, he's tried multiple uprisings. It doesn't work. But I, I did want to actually bring up Haiti. Mm. Because, again, this is a country that no one gave a shit about. Right. Whatsoever. Yeah. For, again, not that Haiti's not important. I'm saying the news media did not give a shit about this country. Mm. Uh, for, like, you know, since the since the earthquake. But now it's in the news. And, mm. and Haiti's asking for U.S. troops to maybe come in, and, and America's saying, well, we're not taking it off the table. Mm. V, how much do you know about I'm actually, Haiti? I'm actually, this is one of those few topics that fly way under my radar. Okay. So I'm here, you I'm educate very interested. me, educate me and the audience, okay. and we'll, uh, we'll... I'm I'm going to try and sell you on a, uh, a radical idea. All right, I'm, I'm ready for uh, it. I think the United States might have had something to do with the assassination of the president of Haiti. I'm going to sell you on that idea. You ready? Wow. Wow. So, so here, here's the deal. I can't just say this is why I think they did it. I got to tell you on the history of, of Haiti real quick. Mm -hmm. So Haiti became basically a country in 1804 mm. uh, with the Haitian Revolution. Mm. So they were a slave colony. Right. So France owned the island of, of what is today Haiti and basically ran these slaves uh, into the ground uh, as, as much as they could. Uh, the French Revolution happens... So the idea of the French Revolution got to sort of these slaves. They caused a, a revolution. It was incredibly violent right. uh, on both sides. But in the end, the slaves prevailed. It is the biggest uprising of slaves ever that succeeded. France then forced them to pay $28 billion in reparations. Wow. Because they lost their property. Okay. They're slaves. Wow. Yeah. So Haiti paid them, in today's money, about $28 billion. Right. So that's important. That's like in the core, they had to pay. They had to fight a revolution and then pay reparations for their own lives. Mm -hmm. So that's important. So the United States refused to acknowledge that Haiti even existed. Obviously, because we we owned slaves in the 1800s, well at until well after the Civil War. Right. Because the last thing you want to do is acknowledge a, a slave power. Right. Uh, right off the coast of of Florida, basically. We took the country over in 1915. They had a president who was killed. So Woodrow Wilson said in the military, we just owned the island. The island was ours. I mm. mean, this this is pure imperial America where when we were an actual empire. We 
took over their banks. We wrote them a constitution, right? And so you have to wow. follow this constitution. This constitution allowed foreigners to buy Haitian land for the very first time. You want to guess which country uh, benefited off that quite a lot? Uh, allowed them to buy Haitian land for the first time. We did. Yeah, we yeah. absolutely, we absolutely we, I mean, we bought up tons of Haitian land. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, with our new uh, constitution. Uh, we declared martial law. We censored the press. We, we owned Haiti mm-hmm. until 1924. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we get out of there. Haiti had a brutal dictatorship that we propped up. Right. So there was a dictatorship from uh, 1957 to 1986. Mm-hmm. It was a father and son duo. I believe it was, uh, they called him Papa and Baby. Right, because the father and son, obviously. So the, these people killed like fifty thousand Haitians, least, and we helped them because it was the Cold War, and we thought, well, fascism is better than communism. Right. So of course we we prop up these two brutal dictators uh, for as long as we possibly can. So U.S. invades in nineteen ninety four again. So at this point we are now with Bill Clinton. Mm-hmm. So they have a, a president at this point. So the dictatorship falls and they elect a president. And immediately the military just took back over. Right. So America invades again, again. in 1994 to prop up the president. More thousands of Haitians die here too, of course. In 2004, that president had to flee the country. That president then blamed the U.S. government for another coup. Of course. So that was in 2004. Uh, another us stepping in with their with their leaders. And of course, in, in 2010, there was a cataclysmic earthquake. We don't actually know how many people died. Probably up to 300,000. Probably gone in the blink of an eye. Uh, we're talking $8 billion of damages. They never really recovered. Right. Right. Okay. So I think that is, is good groundwork. Uh, <laughs> That's a lot of historical context. I right. mean, very uh, damning. Uh, uh, I, I, so... <laughs> Now I'm going to just tell you what happened with this guy, Moyes. Okay. Right? So their president's name is like Moyes. I could be saying that wrong. Moyes? Moyes. Moyes. M-O-I-S-E. Okay. Uh, so this guy starts being president in 2017. He gets elected. Not a lot of people uh, voted in the election, but he did win. So soon after he was elected, uh, the first thing this guy does is revive the army. So keep in mind, the army did coup attempt after coup attempt the entire history of the island. So right. they actually haven't had an army since, like, the 90s. Right. So the first thing this guy does is resurrect the army. Nice. Not okay. a great move. Not. If you're trying to say that you're not <laughs> an authoritarian. So this guy also, which is very important to know, he was elected president and then didn't get into office until a year after he was elected. It got pushed off because, like, claims of fraud and stuff. Oh, I remember that. Yes. So they had really no new president for about a year. And that's very important to the story coming up in a second. So this guy gets elected, resurrects the army. In January 2020, uh, Moyes refused to hold elections and then dismissed everyone's mayors. Right? So the Senate's term ran up and hundreds of senators just left the Senate. So there was no Senate. There's no mayors. Uh, there was 10 senators left over. So you have 10 senators for millions of people, no mayors, and just the president. So no one's even elected at this point, uh, uh, really right. besides him. So maybe you see what the linchpin is. If this guy died, it would really suck because there's no one in charge of anything. But we'll get to that in a mm. second. be really convenient if you wanted to say, ah, take the fucking country over. Yeah. I mean, there's only one guy you got to knock off and then no one's elected. 
Right, right. That's, that's what we call a single uh, point of failure. Exactly. <laughs> no redundancy, no um, backups. So this guy basically ruled alone with just 10 senators, all well, the millions of people. So last Wednesday, okay, at 1 a.m., set the scene, right? Moyes is sleeping in his house. 28 commandos, Colombians, and at least two Haitian Americans. Americans, weird. They knock on the door and claim to be the DEA. Right. right. The context here is that that's not particularly rare for the DEA to come over. So I, I, I remember reading about this, yeah. is that they just let him in because they, they thought it was just a routine checkup. Well, that's what I would say, too, if I just let in commandos who killed my boss. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so DEA, right, open up the door. They go upstairs. Um, they just kill the president. Right. And then they leave. The security just stands there. Right. And they leave. Right? They, they, some of them are still free and running around. We don't know where they are. We captured a bunch. A lot were arrested. Um, completely just sort of fell apart. Like, well, so that's already weird, right? These trained commandos murder the president and then can't get off the island. Right. Well, what were they doing? Yeah. Like, what was the plan there to get off the island? There's no way that these trained military professionals that went in, like, squad formation in this building, killed the president, and then just went back to their Airbnb. And just sort of like sat in the hot tub until they got arrested. Like surely there was another step to this plan that failed that we'll be learning about. So one of these Haitians at least worked for the DEA in the past uh, as an informant. All these men claim that they were hired by a Miami-based security firm. Okay. Again, back to Miami. Remember the Venezuela conversation we just had? Right. Um, so there, there's two theories about what happened. Okay. Right. The first one, uh, there's a 60-year-old something guy. His name's Emmanuel Sanan. He's an American with deep ties in Florida. He's a doctor. He filed for bankruptcy in 2013. Hmm. Okay? So he was broke in 2013. Somehow, though, in 2021, he paid thousands upon thousands upon thousands of dollars to 28 commandos uh, to kill the president of Haiti. Hmm. Yeah. No idea where he he got the money. That's that's curious. Interesting. Wonder who, who, who gave him all that money. Uh, and the other theory is that uh, maybe his own security killed him. Right. And these people are kind of just patsies at this point. Right. You know, they, they were sent in uh, as decoys. Now, here's the thing. It's unclear who will lead the country. Two separate men claim to be the prime minister. So Haiti has a, has a president and a prime minister. They're actually two different jobs. It was a bit of a transitional period. So two separate men claim that they're the prime minister in charge of the country. The Supreme Court justice uh, should be the president, but he died of COVID last month, oh, so yeah. he's gone. Meanwhile, the 10 senators just elected one of their own to lead the country. So you have three separate men claiming to be the leader of Haiti at the moment. We have no idea who's going to lead this country. And currently, you know, Haitian officials are begging the U.S. to again come on in, select a leader, take over for us. And I just want to sell you on the idea. Maybe we did it. Maybe we did it. Maybe we did it. Listen, first of all, I feel like this just, you just described to me uh, just a, a new Netflix original coming out. Because, <laughs> I mean, the, the sequence and series of events that just occurred is so incredible. That was entertaining. I mean, ignoring the fact that, like, real lives are at stake. This is a mm-hmm. real country. There's people there. There's mothers and children and people who need food. Right. Change eat. the names and all of a sudden it's an interesting story. Uh, yeah. Change the names. <laughs> Put one of those disclaimers at the front of the, the movie that says, you know, like, uh, any references to real people is merely coincidental. Exactly. And, you know, that was just perfect. I mean, especially once you get to the point where, you know, you, oh, 
th- th- this is a super important person, the Supreme Court justice or whatever, is supposed to fill in, but, oh, wouldn't you know it, COVID hit him. Yeah. And that was like a whole, you know, that was our last year and a half at this point. So many things coming together. That's incredible. A couple of points. One is that with all the historical context that mm. we gave for this lead up, I have to reject it all just because uh, I had... Uh, <laughs> You know, Trump is trying to Trump was trying to push for like uh, patriotic education. Sure. Uh, and so I'm at the point where I don't actually think the U.S. could do any wrong. Uh, so understood. everything that you just mentioned, completely invalid. The U.S. is perfect in every way possible. And so it's just a, you know, what's that Pete Seeger song <laughs> learned in school today? Is that him? Sounds familiar. Uh, we never told a lie. You know, we, we've always paid our debts kind of thing, you know, uh, Right. We're friends with the Native Americans sort of deal. Like, we're idiots. Uh, but it's obviously a big, like, sarcastic song. Right. But what, we, what we're actually teaching our kids is that we are infallible. You know, we would never do such a thing like kill the Haitian president. Even though he was definitely showing dictator-esque. Yeah, I mean, look, you could, you could call him a dictator. Right. I mean, quite frankly. Another, well, another thing is, is his yeah. term actually ended. Right. His term ended uh, earlier this year. But he claimed he got an extra year. Kind of like what Trump tried to claim, like, mm. I deserve two extra years because right. of the way they were treating me. This guy's like, well, I deserve another year because I, I, my job got pushed back a year. So don't right. I get an extra year? Right. Uh, so look, you can claim this guy was a dictator. You can claim this guy wasn't a good leader at all. Point is, sure seems like we could benefit quite a lot from this guy being removed. Right. And it's, uh, you know, you get into online discussions about this type of stuff and people seem to get blinders on and they stick to just, you'll always have those factions that claim that because he was a dictator, because he was a dictator, the U.S. should intervene at all costs. And then you have people that say the U.S. should just mind its own business, like intervening. You know, you can't right a wrong with another wrong. Right. The imperialism is imperialism. Um, Well, I sort uh, of, yeah. You look at the, (sighs) we, we go in, we topple leaders yeah. and nine times out of ten who gets replaced uh is even worse right the person gets put in you know in, in chile uh i think it was 1974 i could be wrong mm-hmm. we overthrew a president and installed uh, augusto pinochet who hmm. obviously brutal dictator kept power for 30 40 years right i think in guatemala we again this guy was just like a liberal right uh not even like a socialist or anything just a mm-hmm. liberal we overthrew him. We put in, uh, I think his name was Arbenz, mm-hmm. another general. Yeah. Big fan of generals, America, yeah. uh, dictator generals. So, uh, you know, very often we, we, you know, we did it in Vietnam. We, we tried to uh, overthrow Ho Chi Minh and we put in this guy who was basically assassinated by his own men and then South Vietnam didn't even have a president. Goodness, you just reminded me of um, a recent, uh, I think it was what a press release Joe Biden did and... He said something along the lines of, oh, maybe we can find it online, but... Uh... His credibility worldwide shrinks. Let's get this straight. How would it be if the United States were viewed by the rest of the world as interfering with the elections directly of other countries and everybody knew it? What would it be like if we engaged in activities that he is engaged in? It diminishes the standing of a country that is desperately trying to make sure it maintains its standing. Yeah, 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 exactly, though. So, like, imagine, like, Joe Biden, Joe Biden's not stupid, right? Like, you don't become president by being a complete idiot. He knows American history, right? So either, you know, he's completely in that what I learned from school today song, right, where he thinks America's the, you know, has done no wrong sort of deal. 
uh, and that's just his vision of America, like all interventions, good intervention. Quite literally, I remember he has a quote. He says, if Haiti sank into the ocean, it wouldn't bother us. He said that like in the 90s, right? Wow. Yeah. Yeah, he said it actually. He's like, oh, God forbid. If Haiti sinks into the ocean, it doesn't bother us. That's incredible. But exactly. I mean, that's that's the American mindset. You know, you look at the intervention right now in Cuba. Obviously, Cuba just had a protest or two on their streets. Right. Which is great because for some reason, the media is focusing on uh, a couple hundred Cubans in Miami and, and taking videos of them. Fuck those people. Right. And honestly, like, who, who gives a shit about them? Yeah. Right? It's like a, a bunch of like Irish Americans are protesting something happened in Ireland. It's like, all right, but they don't live in Ireland. Right. Right? Show me the Irish yeah. and, and what they're saying, what they're doing. I don't really give a shit about, you know, Father Patrick o- O'Leary in Ohio. <laughs> what, what the fuck he has to say, right? Right. But all of a sudden, the, these Cubans, who most of whom have never even been in Cuba, uh, have shit to say about Cuba. So these, these Cubans are, are protesting. Their food situation's not great. Medicine situation's not great. They're out protesting for change. Sure, things have been exacerbated by COVID. And uh, absolutely, all of the well, logistical nightmares. Also, yeah. our uh, blockade of, and the block, of, of course of Cuba. And that blockade's been going since the Eisenhower administration. That's like late fifties. <laughs> we never, we never really ease restrictions on the blockade. Trump just made it even harder. You know, I mean, it, it's currently hard for them to find things like aspirin because oh my God. you know they really can't trade with anybody thanks to America. They are basically, you know, it, it, we call it a blockade. It's, it's more of an embargo. No American whatsoever can trade with America, uh, with Cubans whatsoever. And if you do trade with them, you have a potential of uh, facing America's wrath. So mm-hmm. a lot of countries don't trade with Cuba just based on that. I would like to point out that the UN just had a vote. Okay, so this is like 196 countries uh, like held a vote on, you know, condemning America mm-hmm. on their blockade. And it was like 190 two countries uh, voted uh, like for it, saying, America, what the fuck are you doing? And the only two countries that voted against it is America. Of course. And Israel. Yeah, unsurprising. Unsurprising. So the whole world is, in, is like in lockstep that what we're doing to Cuba is a horrible, horrible thing. But if you're an American, you wouldn't know that due to our media. Right, and I just wanted to highlight one thing about those types of circumstances and something that the left gets right that I don't think a lot of other ideologies get right Uh, something they don't understand or at the very least don't agree with is the idea of violence and what violence is people typically think about violence as in okay you know i have a weapon i'm gonna hold you up i'm gonna threaten you i might punch you but nobody talks about economic warfare as violence and it very much is i mean what we're doing with cuba uh what we're doing with yemen and the Mm. fact that we're literally blocking medicine and food from coming into the country these types of economic policies have very real devastating effects on real people and you just see it in the way that we talk about it in the media oh you know we're great we're fine uh, the soft solution here is to uh, do more sanctions and right. and and block trade uh with this country but in doing so you're for all intents and purposes like killing people right, essentially. right, right. Like, in the hopes it, that these people are so fed up with their right. leader that they'll They'll basically kill their leader, overthrow their their government. They haven't yeah. since the late 1950s. Let's say 1957, maybe the, the embargo went up. It's never worked. These yes. people, whenever they have an election, they have like 80, 90% turnout. Right. Okay. America wishes we had 80, 90% turnout. I think our highest turnout recently was like 54, 55%. Right. Um, these people love their government. 
Yeah. Okay. And and the American people and we're basically saying we want you to overthrow them, or you won't get your medicine, you won't get your right. food, you won't get the the concrete you need to build a building, or the lead you need for uh, whatever. So their infrastructure crumbles, and when their infrastructure crumbles, uh, you've got accidents. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> much much like what happened in Florida, which we can get to, you know, at some point. Jesus. But that that's a whole other story. Yeah. That's got its own backstory and everything. But it's violence. And what's the difference between me, you know, deciding to do it quickly and just stabbing you right here and now, uh, or just me denying you your sustenance until you die? Right. Functionally speaking, the outcome is the same. I'm sort of utilitarian in that sense. It, it, it applies to policies. Right. If we pass policies here in America that prevent, you know, disadvantaged groups from getting the resources they need, uh, and it leads to outcomes like death or, you know, uh, from preventable causes right. other forms of like right. malnourishment like, like if someone buries you alive yeah if someone buries you alive it's like why well, i didn't i didn't kill him i didn't kill him you but... just ran out of oxygen that's not yeah come died on of, now died of natural causes yeah right? died yeah. of natural causes yeah. i mean i I'm sure i put him in a position where he could not get additional air yeah um but he died of natural causes yeah it's it's getting away with violence in a way where it's like legally kosher it's right. fine uh you know? you know, i mean that and when the embargo went up, I remember it was like JFK, especially the Cuban Missile Crisis and things like that, which were an issue. They knew like a blockade is basically an act of war, but we just didn't declare war. Right. Right. So we're doing an act of war and just not calling it that. And we'll just leave it up forever for the most part. So, so yeah, it's... And look, I'm not saying that Cuba is, is like the perfect society, no, right? But not. they're an independent people who love their government. They do support their government. They obviously want things to be better. But for Americans to say, oh, we want the country to be better, overthrow them, right? right. Bomb them, send troops in, right? right? We could just end the embargo immediately, and right. their lives are a billion times better. Right. You know, overnight, the, <laughs> the lives are better. Imagine if we could uh, uh, vacation in Cuba directly, all right? right. It, I mean, th there were times where people were, were renting out Cuban houses, you know, and, mm -hmm. and vacationing, and that money went right into the economy. Right. Now, it's not a ton of money, but it went into the economy and it was helping prop these people up. Now you can't do anything. You know, Go on, go on uh, online, go on eBay and try to buy something that's Cuban. You can't do it because you're not allowed to legally sell anything from Cuba. Mm -hmm. So even if you want to like buy like a Cuban currency or, or anything that's authentically Cuban... Right, if you're a coin collector. Coin collector, you can't find <laughs> it. It's against the law. I, I it was actually recently that I learned that, that you couldn't even do anything like that. Yeah, and that's why like, buy the, the prevalence of like, fake Cuban currency or fake like coins for people's collections like skyrocketed. Because you just sell fake coins to claim they were real. Right. Because they're so impossible to get. And it's not illegal if you sell a fake coin. Right. Not really. I assume then that there's probably some sort of like dark web underground market for like quote unquote 100%. fake coins yeah, yeah, yeah. that are completely real. I mean like you look at you look at the news and you see people like Marco Rubio and he's saying things like, you know, oh, it's it's socialism's fault that these people are, are starving. No, we're fucking starving them. With, yeah. with, with the embargo. Cuba would be fine if we lifted the embargo, like, tomorrow. Right, and we have um, tons of sanctions on Venezuela as well. Oh, my God. Like, yeah, yeah we, and those people are starving just as much. Yeah, you know? we're, we're literally, like, going to these countries and just choking them, uh, you know, suffocating them, and then blaming them for their own suffocation and right. inability to breathe. Exactly. You know, we're saying the communism, we're saying that socialism is failing. We're spending how much money to make sure it fails. Right. You know, <laughs> I mean, how many times have like boats come to Venezuela and we just seized them and, and took all the cargo so they couldn't get it? Yeah. You know, we, we, we've literally robbed like these countries. Uh, we cost them billions and billions of dollars. 
and, and definitely a good topic for another podcast uh, episode. But there's a lot to be said about you know strategy and how do you achieve socialism within a country. And right. there's a there's a big idea in the sense that you can't achieve socialism within one country because as soon as it's done, the capitalist influences around the world will try to stomp it out. You because the best way to achieve socialism while retaining peace and is to right. make the rest of the world economically dependent on your country's exports. Sure. But if you're a single country, you don't have enough land, you don't have enough resources, you don't have enough political and economic power to do that. What you really need to do is achieve a socialist block of countries that all stand united right. uh, for the good of like workers and so on and so forth. And once you're big enough and once you have like a big enough block, you would then force economic dependency, therefore force legitimacy in right. the world. And that's like a whole, whole project that... I mean, that's a, a big topic that I, for another episode for sure, talking about different types of, of socialism and communism. We can go into, like, what type we are individually. Right. There's obviously... We could do socialist personality tests. Right. Yeah. Based on your horoscope, here's yeah. what you are. You know, there's dozens <laughs> of types of socialism and communism. Just like there's a bunch of types of capitalism, oh, right? Of course. Well, the one thing that really infuriates me, two things in particular about the, this story, Right. Yeah. One, you have the people saying, like, I can't believe, like, all these Republicans, like Ron DeSantis, I cannot believe that the police are, are cracking down on some of these protesters in Cuba. Where the fuck were they last year? <laughs> you know, there's, like, hundred, hundreds and hundreds of videos of our police, you know, pepper spraying, shooting, killing, beating, like, all of our protesters last year. Oh, uh, But because they're, now they're Cuban. And now they actually, because the big difference is Cubans are willing to vote Republican if you live in the Americas, mm-hmm. right? If you live in like the United States, right? African Americans historically not willing, mm. right? If you're at these protests, you're probably not voting Republican. So fuck these people. Right. Send the cops after them. Right. But these Cubans in Miami and Florida, well, we got to cater to them. So mm. all of a sudden, it's this big like, I got to lay down in the street and say I can't believe these cops are, are pepper spraying people over in Cuba. I, I trust me, not man. It's it's we're podcasters, right? We. It's our job to speak here, and I'm at a loss for words uh, for the hypocrisy there and for the amount of grift sure. that they're displaying there, where they clearly lack an ideology other than I'll root for whatever I perceive to be my team and root against whatever I perceive to be my enemy, even if it means I have to consistently, even if it means I have to consistently go against everything I've said before, everything that I've established to be my moral system, my values, throw that out the door. I didn't care about protests back when the George Floyd protests were happening. Mm. I didn't care about police violence then and brutality then. I care about it now because this time it's my enemies doing this exactly. stuff. Exactly. Even though the outcomes are identical, the circumstances are... Right. And pretty... another thing I love is the media... And we can talk more about the media in a second. But the other thing the media is doing is there's a protest in Cuba and immediately they're going to all the socialists and asking them. Like, they're going to Bernie Sanders. They're going to AOC. Like, Fox News is like zeroed in like what did they said about it like have they come out against can they explain why socialism is doing this but again there was like thousands of protests last summer right. i don't remember a single person going to like a, a capitalist and going like what, what's going on bro like i don't you know what i mean like like defend defend this shit you right know what i mean it, again it's the same shit like every single time someone brings up socialism they go like oh what about like this one socialist figure who killed people and it's like um, do you only bring up every single fucking capitalist like right. george w bush had two illegal wars with millions right. of people dying. 
Right. Why I say like, oh, it's capitalism's fault. Like it's like, I mean, for the record, it's capitalism's fault. Yeah. But like, <laughs> but in a different way. <laughs> at the same time, am I am I asking like you know these interviewers like right. Anderson Cooper is going to look at you at, with a side eye and go, but doesn't socialism do this? Like Anderson, how about you defend George W. Bush? Right. Go ahead. Like I want you to. You know, I want you. Yeah. To, I want you to defend Hitler. Like yeah. all right, I want you to defend. Uh, you know, Pinochet or, or our band. I want you to defend all these dictators hmm. who were capitalists. Right. Right? But just because you're a socialist, you have to defend all, like, uh, you know. Yeah. It's like you got to run to them and like, put the mic in their face. Right, right, right. I can't stand the media, man. I can't stand the media. Um, And it's just a comment on the last bit there. It's true. It's The, the problem is is that people keep put uh, pointing to these, like, very concrete and visceral examples of, like, okay, here's one person who nominally call themselves a socialist or a communist or, you know, any ideology on the left. Uh, they committed these atrocities that were historically, you know, in all the textbooks attributed to them. And all the American textbooks. All the American textbooks. And it's very easy to point to. And the problem with our argument as leftist on the other side is that the type of violence that comes from capitalism isn't always completely direct. You know, it's right. the same concept we talked about before. Right. Economic violence can be subtle. It can have many different forms. There are many different ways. Like, you can't just say, okay, this person is a capitalist and they directly killed X people. It's just all of the subtleties. Like, right. capitalism. Cuba uh, Cuba has free health care. Yeah. Right? Cuba uh, has free homes. Cuba right. has uh, free food. Cuba has free electricity. Cuba has free college. Right. right? How many Americans die each year of diseases that were preventable with, with right. healthcare? Because they don't have health, access to healthcare. How many die have... homeless? How many? How many just are homeless? Right. How many? It, I mean, it goes down the line. Exactly. Uh, it, it, how many food. wars have been waged for no other reason other than it, it profits some people? Uh, it profits I believe some corporations. General Smedley Butler, who was one of the most decorated generals in American history said uh, capitalism runs on blood and war is the top donor. Right. Oh, my God. You know, that was... He, uh, you know, and this is a guy who, who fought in, you know, right. a, a couple of his own wars. Right. And as soon as he came home from war, he realized, like, you know, basically I was fighting for capitalism. Right. You know, we made money over in China. We yeah. made money over in, like, the Philippines. Yeah. And the reason it's so difficult to, like, do the same sort of uh, finger pointing that the right constantly does is that when capitalism incentivizes war, there's not a single entity, there's not a face you could point to to say, this is the cause, this guy. You know, when, right. when capitalism incentivizes a healthcare system that leaves millions of people uninsured and kills millions of people because they, they died, you know, from preventable causes that right. they could, couldn't have paid for, there's not a single person, there's no face behind that. Right, it's hard to point to the it's person a system. behind the desk yeah. whose job it is to... Uh, look for ways that it was your fault you got injured. Right. So we don't have to pay you to out. To find legal loopholes, to find right. loopholes in the contract, exactly. to find ways to... It's hard to blame just board. that person when they were hired, they have a manager, yeah. that person has a manager. There are nobody inside an office that is as bleak right. and gray as you can imagine that... It, same yeah. as the, the prison system. Yeah. Right? Like, it, it's hard to point at, like, one person in the prison system and say, all right, you're the reason this system is systemically racist or oppressive. It's right. when you take it as a whole... That's the other thing. It's like how many people go like, oh my, oh my dad is a cop and he's not right. racist. But it's like, yeah, fair enough. But the system itself is racist. Right. Right. You. Th that's the the beauty of systemic racism. You don't have to be a racist. Right. To be a part of a racist system. Right. You're doing your job. Fair enough. Yeah. But you're you're doing a, a job that is oppressing one group of people in particular. Exactly. It's the same thing yeah. with the healthcare system. Same with the prison system. It. I mean, that is how capitalism oppresses people. 
Right. You know, and, and prison for profit, healthcare for profit. And because that is so vague and amorphous, it's right. not something you could summarize in a quick and snappy way and say, look, I blame this person, or I blame this party, or I blame this organization. Um, it, would t it takes literally textbooks and classes to explain systemic causes to, to, to issues. Right. Um, and it's not sexy. It's not something that we can just deliver no. and be like. Uh, here, here's a. Uh, I mean, Marx was sexy. Let me be honest. I mean, uh, listen, big beard. Karl Marx when he was younger. I don't know if you saw ever saw a photo of like young Karl Marx. No, I haven't. Listen, but that's the first thing I'm going to do. He's looking all right. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> um, I'd like to to maybe uh, bring up a reading on some of the descriptions uh, Marx's contemporaries used to describe him. Right. Not this episode, but not this episode. <laughs> th there's one German police officer who wrote a whole like page on like what Marx was like you know he sleeps in to 3 p.m he doesn't know whether the sun's coming up or coming down his hair's always a little messy you know just a great description he's like his eyes have this fierce intensity you know it's just brilliant but and this is a bit more of a, a hotter topic I guess when everything's for profit mm -hmm. when you look at like the American food system right? right when you look at just how bad for you right some of our food is how much sugar that we put into things to get you addicted to it Right. Um, how we engineer every single app to be as addictive as possible to keep your deal. eyes on there hours a day. Same deal. Every single day. And and it, it's just bullshit. It, it's for yeah. profit. You are the product. Your life is the product. Our, in fact, our media is all profit-driven. And because of that, whether you like it or not, or whether they like it or not, whether it was anybody's intention or not, the, the motives and the incentive structure there make it the dumpster fire that it is. You know, along the lines of that, you know, I could talk for days about why the media sucks, but a couple of new things came out. Um, okay. New uh, revelations, new things about that... About the media? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, as, as a Bernie supporter and as someone who started really paying attention to the news and the way it worded things and the way that it displayed different infographics and talked about elections and who they decided to interview, who they didn't decide to interview, how they decided to word their questions and how they decided to spin different issues. And I'm sure you've done the same. We're no strangers to seeing the bullshit that the media keeps pushing on us. Sometimes it's more subtle. Sometimes you have to notice what they're not talking about than what they are talking about to really grasp at sort of like the agenda. So you know who Julian Assange is, right? I don't sure. have to do any explanations well, there. Maybe, maybe you should explain it anyway right? for the audience. So Julian Assange is this guy, I mean... Controversial figure. There's people, everybody has so many different opinions about him. But the way I understand him, and feel free to correct me, is that he was the founder and owner of an organization called WikiLeaks. WikiLeaks's goal was to essentially uncover and leak classified documents, all sorts of top secret shit, things that had a lot of uh, journalistic value to the world in order for like people to be informed of different organizations and individuals and people within you know, the right. political and, sphere. And the idea is you could send, if you are a whistleblower, you could send just about anything to this website uh, and they would just publish it without, my understanding, without any like heavy hand censorship. Right. Uh, you would just be able to publish it, you know. Essentially, it was very unfiltered. Yeah. So it's not like they were even trying to put a spin on it. Now, we could go, we could get very philosophical and say, well, even the, the mere selection of content to publish sure. is in and of itself some sort of unbiased filter. Sure. Or, uh, subconscious filter right. but the fact is that they you know as far as i could tell did a pretty good job at sort of letting the the truth out on a lot of things one of the things that they published was information that came to them uh from someone named chelsea manning mm -hmm. and chelsea manning uh exposed war crimes that the united states was committing um in afghanistan and iraq if i remember <laughs> yeah 
Right. Speaking of Afghanistan, right? Right. Like video. Um, I remember like like there, were, there was video of like, you know, our soldiers uh, with drones or just blowing people away and laughing about it. Laughing about it. And that it. video got out. And then know? blowing up the first responders. Yep. I think it might have even been the second responders. There's like right? medics and stuff. Medics and they and just stuff. kept blowing them away because why not? War is war. It's bloody. It's brutal. It's violent. It's unfair. It's unjust. We could go on and on. But, but if you're killing for fun. If you're killing for fun, that's gross. You're shooting medics. You're, yeah. Come on. Come on. Uh, they treated it like a like a Call of Duty game, yeah. essentially. Um, but, you know, there, there's something called, you know, uh, international law. There's Geneva Convention. The Geneva you Convention. Know, there, there's certain international law that you can't do. Right. There's many things you can't do. Right. Uh, the, U, the U.S. routinely violates it. Where We consider ourselves the, the world police. Right. Um, so we consider ourselves above international law. But in this particular case, Chelsea Manning exposed this. WikiLeaks published it. And the United States did the, the whole thing that they... The whole round uh, of accusations they did similarly to Snowden, where they claimed that everything that was leaked, super dangerous to the United States, super dangerous to... Uh, to our national uh, interests and our national defense and security, and so there's this giant. There was this giant manhunt for Julian Assange. Assange was also credited with leaking a ton of things during the 2016 right. election. That's how we found out about how the Clinton campaign was working yeah, during yeah, the 2016. I'd like to point out, no one really gave a shit what he was up to until he started publishing that stuff. Right. And then all of a sudden, it, you know, Republicans love you know uh, they love it, but they were like ah. I, uh, well, the Republicans hated what he when he was posting about the war, and then as right. soon as he posts about like Hillary Clinton, yeah, Republicans love him, love right? him, yeah, and Democrats. So basically, a collective like let's get Assange, mm-hmm. you know, this collective group decided right. to, to basically make his life a living hell. Right, exactly. You know, there was a uh, this allegation that he uh, uh, sexually assaulted somebody, which has been my understanding flat out disproven. They've they've right. come out and said they were uh, coerced into saying these things. Yeah. Um, but it was enough to try and get him sent to a country where he could be exported to America. Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, that extradition uh, to, and, you know, more recent context. Remember the whole John McAfee thing with him? Oh, yeah. Supposedly needing to be extradited to the U.S. and then just dying. And people on Twitter were That's all. That's out of our memory, huh? Yeah. 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 What? Who? Exactly. Who? Yeah, the guy who made about? that software? Yeah, yeah, yeah. John McAfee is, is, is two whole episodes on himself. He, he's not, a wild... I'm not even going to be careful with John can. McAfee. I mean, first of all, the, I hate the, the antivirus software, so... It is awful. Yeah, it's awful. He also had an it's, island that he basically owned and killed people on, and, uh, you know, and then he hung himself in prison, apparently. You right. know, he said he wasn't suicidal. Uh, many uh, different tweets and many different... Yep. Uh, then after he died, the letter Q was on his social media within, yeah. like, minutes. Right. Pretty great. If you're going to troll people, that's how you go. <laughs> He's either the world's greatest troll or right. there's some shit going on. But um, so <clears throat> uh, with the with the Julian Assange case, right. uh, many people have come out, pretend, you know, basically saying they're witnesses. They were definitely hired by Julian Assange to do some hacking. Right. Uh, I'm going to butcher this guy's name, so bear with me. Sigurder Ingi. Thordenson. Thordarson. When I was doing uh, the Haitian stuff, yeah. I was purposely skipping as many names as I could. Right. Because I knew I know how to spell them. I have no idea how to pronounce them correctly. The fact that you can even spell them is incredible. So you'd be my guest uh, trying right. with these names. Uh, I'm just going to call him Siggy. Okay, so Siggy. Siggy. So according to this article, actually, uh, which is, hold on, let me get the source for you right here. Uh, yeah, The Wire uh, writes that uh, Julian Assange case, 
in, in his case, a key witness admits that he lied. U.S. media ignores exculpatory yeah. revelations. So this, the case is blown wide open. The Siggy admitted that he lied about being asked to hack computers. Uh, in order to get immunity, he misrepresented his ties with the WikiLeaks founder, aka Julian Assange. I think that's incredible. Essentially, like the, the details of the case are, are that the authorities dug up all this shit on this guy, uh, all right. this illegal stuff he's been doing, even encouraged him to commit more crimes. Because they essentially said, we're going to make you immune to these crimes. We're going to ignore everything you're doing. We're going to scrape it off your record. Right. We're not even going to arrest you. Just give us something on Julian Assange. And, you know, this is kind of a gross practice that they do, but it's also not pretty... Un it's that not that uncommon. Right. So they say, according to the bi-weekly Stunden, the witness, Siggy, has a documented history with sociopathy and has received several convictions for sexual abuse of minors and wide-ranging financial fraud. Sure. He was recruited by U.S. authorities in order to build a case against Assange and misled them into believing he was a close associate with the WikiLeaks founder. In reality, however, he had only, quote, volunteered on a limited basis to raise money for WikiLeaks in 2010, but was found to have used that opportunity to embezzle more than $50,000 from the organization, uh, the Icelandic newspaper reports. I mean, that's incredible. Anybody would take that bait, right. essentially. You know. Well, I mean, why would he? I mean, if, if I was... Yeah, everyone likes to think they're they're incredibly loyal to their friends. Uh, <laughs> at the end of the day, if you're telling me, like, look, you're facing, like, 50 years in jail, or... Right. Yeah, here's the bus. You walk now. Boom. Yeah, you walk yeah. free. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, I mean, I don't even, like, necessarily blame the guy. I mean, he's terrible, but... So, I mean, that's not even, like, the... All of the, the Julian Assange WikiLeaks uh, controversy is incredibly interesting, and I think it warrants its own... Yeah. Uh, episode. It's another good example of like the media but, just yeah. failing, failing. Uh, to to properly cover and circle the wagons around this guy. And you think they would protect this guy, right? You know, he's this, one of them. He's one of them. Yeah. And and for the the idea that they are willing to let this guy drown when it could be them under the right president is is ridiculous. Right. I mean, uh, it's not even. Like proper coverage. The fact is, it, right. with this particular bombshell, which there's well, no coverage, it's radio again, silence. You know, it, it, it was fine when the Republicans hated him, just the Republicans. But the second he, uh, you know, dished dirt on Hillary Clinton, you know, the Democrats hated him too. And you can't survive both political parties hating you. Right. You can't do it. No, you can't. No, that's that's too much corp. That's too much corporate and establishment power. Yeah. Uh, Aimed, it's sort of like aiming a the sun through a, a magnifying glass at, right. a, at an ant. He should have just picked the one side, yeah. quite frankly. Yeah. I mean, he shouldn't have, but... But here's the paradox, though. If he had done that, he would have been easily sort of, like, discredited, yeah, yeah as, as a partisan, biased actor. Right. And then nobody would listen to his his actual leaks. So it's like a, it's like a, a, a balancing rope he has to walk on, essentially. More good reasons why you should only listen to podcasts for your news... Exactly. Just people like us. Just people like us. Yeah, what the, the funniest part, you know, if there's any humor in this, is that uh, what the media did do in terms of, like, reporting on Assange uh, is so on brand. It's it's just so mm, capitalist and, and headline-y and, you know, you know when you're in the grocery store and you're, you know, in the checkout line and you see those, like, magazines that are like, oh my gosh, such and such got pregnant and... and right this person's having an affair, what will yeah, they yeah, do? Yeah. And here's it, the it's lawsuit. It's clickbait in real life. Clickbait in real life. So, you know, it's it's not the case that they ignore Julian Assange all the time. Uh, the article goes on to say that it is not that corporate press are completely uninterested in Assange. 
A number of outlets have covered the news this week that he and his partner, Stella Morris, are planning to get married. <laughs> um, this of covered course. by SBS, Daily Mail, Evening Standard, London Times. Yeah. Yet none of these articles mention the far more consequential news about uh, Siggy and how it undermines the entire prosecution of Assange. So I'm not surprised people don't trust the news. Right. They fail at maintaining a, even a shred of journalistic integrity. Right. And a lot of those papers you just mentioned are the rags. They're the, uh, you know, they are the pop right. culture right. sort of magazines. But to not even mention, you know, even like Teen Vogue mentions like, you know, occasionally <laughs> like socialist shit. Yeah. Shout out to a real one, Teen Vogue. Teen Vogue. On, on Twitter. <laughs> Every now and then it's like, Karl Marx, should we be looking at him as like Gen Z? I'm like, yeah, all right, this is a good article. Thank you. All right, all right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is just a another systemic uh, issue. And it's um, another one that's hard to pinpoint. It's not like the actions of an individual or the actions of any individual group. It's just the systemic influence of capitalism and the profit motive on organizations that should hold truth to power and should hold people accountable. But hey, I mean, if the, if the profit motive incentivizes the exact opposite, then that's where they'll go. If there are consequential topics that they should talk about, they won't. And if they there are drama pieces and clickbait and this and that, they'll talk about that for days. So I think that's a pretty good uh, jumping off point, ending it where we began talking about the media for our first episode. As we go along, we'll, we will dive in a bit more into you know history, the news, more about us. Why are we leftists and, and right. things of that nature? Yeah. Um, with that being said, uh, I'd like to point out that we are recording in a room without AC right now. Uh, in a very, very hot room because the AC would pick up on the microphone. That's not dedication. Do you, do you picture Anderson Cooper uh, uh, saying, hey, oh, turn off the AC? Oh, definitely not. You're making a noise. No, that motherfucker's no. like, turn on second AC. Yeah. I don't care if they can't hear me. Yeah. I, I actually envision um, Tucker Carlson just literally breaking out into tears because he's being oppressed by the, uh, by the heat around uh, him. I picture him forcing a minority to fan him. Yeah, forcing it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. With a big palm leaf. And children, too. Minority with, children. With small minority <laughs> children with big palm leaves. And Tucker Carlson is threatening them if they slow down. Right. Saying he'll invade their country, wherever they're from. And if we peep about it, then we're canceling him. Exactly. <laughs> All right, folks. Just uh, remember, this is the coldest, coldest summer that you will feel for a long time. Probably ever. On that optimistic note, we will end the first episode of Left of Lenin. Thank you so much for listening, folks. Thanks, guys.